0: Well, good morning. Can you hear me? Is this okay? Can you hear? All good? Great to be with you this morning, and uh, it's a real privilege to come to your island. I do believe it belongs to you from what I've heard, so uh, it's a privilege to be here. It's the first time, I think I've been coming here about 20 years or so, and uh, it is the first time I've been here without Mike and Debs being here, so it's a bit weird for me too, but uh, this is what happens when you've got family living overseas, and the drama that comes with that, but it's good to hear that she's doing okay. Please, if I can echo what Mike said, please be praying. Uh, God is a God of miracles, and we'd love to see some breakthrough there and to see them back here. But it's great to be with you. Thank you for the friendship, the partnership. Thank you for hosting this equip that's coming up. And We've flown from the U.S. You guys just have to drive 10 minutes up the street, and you'll be there, so please come and join us. It's going to be a phenomenal week. I'm convinced of that. These are great days we're living in. And I do believe God's wanting to equip us and empower us for the days that lie ahead for His church to thrive in the season. And so please come along. If you haven't signed up, please sign up. If I can say that, we are excited for what God's doing. It's great to be with you. I'm going to ask you please to turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And... uh, I I do want to be careful that I don't overemphasize certain things in my passion and effort for you to realize what it is that God has called this church to. I'm well aware that uh, I'm passionate about what I believe. I'm well aware that I believe big time that God is using His church. How many of you believe that God has a plan and a purpose and it's going to always be through His people, the church? Uh, Always has been, always will be, regardless of how we feel. Regardless of what we're facing, regardless of the things that lie ahead for us, God has a plan, and He always has, and His plan doesn't change based on our performance. Sometimes we need to hear that. We think it's all about our role, but actually it's all about His role and us partnering with Him. And this morning, I I want to just say to this church, if I can, and I know there are probably visitors here this morning, and God speaks to all people, so if you're a visitor, let God speak to you. But I, I want to address this church Oceanside Church this morning, and I'm a friend uh, to this church. We're in partnership together. I'm not a guest speaker. Uh, I am a guest, and I'm speaking, but there's more to this than than me just coming in and sharing some truth. I hope you're here, and there's some building God wants to highlight again. Some of your foundations, I believe, to remind us, to strengthen us, and encourage us for the season that lies ahead. But as I think of this church, Oceanside, I, I do believe Oceanside is a strategic church. I really do believe that has been in 20-something years you've been going. It's uh, a strategic church, but it's also in a strategic region. I'm always amazed when I come to your island. And again, I have to make fun at times of your island because it's so beautiful. I've got to find something to say other than how beautiful it is. But when I come from uh, the, big, the mainland and I fly into this, onto this island land here, I'm amazed that it's not the biggest place on the planet, but it's such a strategic place. Now, I don't know how to kind of work through that, and I know that you're privileged to live here, and God determines the times and places where we live, so God's determined you to be here. So this is a strategic church in a strategic region, handpicked by God to be in this place for such a time as that. And, and I also believe that you're in a very strategic season. Right now, there are things happening that we don't always know, we can't always see, and some of us, I guess, are sensing some of those things, but, but all I want to say this morning is that the, you're in an incredibly strategic season and know that all of these things strategic place strategic church in a strategic season is always for a strategic reason know that these things that are happening what God's doing is for a reason And with all due respect, it's not for you as a local church, it's for what God's doing and what God wants to continue to do for people who've yet to be here, yet to be reached, yet to be touched, yet to meet Jesus and be encountering of what we've, uh, encountering Him and the things that we've heard about this morning already. And so please don't underestimate what God's doing. Don't downplay. Don't just feel it's insignificant. I, I, I do want to encourage you this morning to say, strategic season for a strategic reason, and understand there's a role to play in what, you, what you're involved in. When I think about the history, and we kind of walked down some of it, having my brother-in-law traveling with me, and he come, came a few times with me on some of our trips here, uh, just trying to remember some of the history of this church, and 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 when I think of your history, I'm amazed by what God's done. I really am. Uh, Just bringing people from all over to do something. But I want to tell you, as I think of the future, I'm actually overwhelmed by what lies ahead. It's it's an amazing history, but an overwhelming future. Not to be overwhelmed, but to realize the bigness and the mandate and the unfulfilled things that God's wanting to fulfill. Please understand the bigness of what's to come. I know there's all ages in this room, and I I praise God for that. We celebrate diversity in this room and different ages and different groups. But let me tell you, God puts you together for what lies ahead, for His kingdom, His purposes, and His plans. And so in saying those things, I just want to keep challenging you and realize that... You've got a role to play in all of this, not just to attend, but to be involved and be, be involved in working out the plans and purposes of what God still wants to walk in and get you to walk in for the future. And, and when I think of partnership, I, I'm a huge believer in partnership. I love partnership. I, I want to tell you God is a God of partnership right through from Genesis to Revelation. He's all about partnership. Uh, There are three major partnerships in Scripture. I mean, other than our wives and husbands and marriage, that's an incredible partnership that I'm incredibly grateful to God that it's not good for man to be alone. And I'm delighted as a husband to an incredible wife, that's a great partnership. But you know, in the beginning, when God created, in creation, God called us to partner with Him. And I've got to say to us this morning... We must never underestimate the partnership that we have with God. Somebody said that if God be your partner, then make your plans large. Have big plans if you're partnering with God. Bono from you too, anyone heard of him i 'm not promoting him and i 'm probably losing some religious people in a moment, but i 'm not promoting bono, but if you haven 't heard of him we 'll pray for you after this meeting. great band i 'm not promoting them you too anyway, I grew up listening to and still do and anyway, that, that, he was a pastor. Uh, pastor. He was a, a, a leader of a band, is a leader of a band, and he was invited to to speak uh, in one of the national day breakfast, national day of prayer, breakfast in the United States many years ago. George W. Bush was still the president and they invited him to come speak and he was addressing all the heads of all the faith groups and movements and and pastors and leaders and he said to them, he got up and he said something to the effect of, he said the church needs to stop doing their thing and asking God to bless it. He said instead the church needs to find out what God is already doing because if God's doing it, it's already blessed by God. Hey, I remember hearing that many years ago and it challenged me to the core of my being That we can't just do life, do ministry, do church and pray and ask God to bless it. We've got to get back to recognizing there's a partnership that we have with Him. We exist for Him. We're working with Him. What's God doing? What's our partnership with Him? How do we be involved in that as individuals, but also as a local church? And how do we keep moving into what God's doing? Because God's already blessed what God's about. And so I love this thing of partnership. And you and I get to partner with God, the greatest partnership of all. Every one of us involved in that. And I do believe God accomplishes the most, not when we work for Him, but when we are faithful to and obedient enough for Him to work through us. We don't do stuff for Him. We allow Him to do stuff in us, with us, and through us, as we partner into this incredible future that God has for us. I also believe there's a gospel partnership we see in the Bible. And Paul made it very clear when he wrote to the churches and in his expression of his love and thanksgiving and celebration of the churches he's working with. And it's because of their partnership. A great text is Philippians chapter 1. And I'm not here to speak on that, but I want to show you there is a partnership that we have in the gospel together. And Paul says, I thank God every time I remember you because of our partnership, our our konea, our participation in this gospel partnership that we've been called to to bring rescue to the planet and to bring life to people who've never heard about Jesus, to get this gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. God puts us in partnership as local churches with other local churches, and I love this gospel partnership that we've been called to. But I also want to highlight there's another partnership that often is overlooked. Love the God partnership. Love the partnership we have out there with all these local churches working together to make one name great, to advance one kingdom. Not about a church, about a king and a kingdom, and advancing the kingdom. All over the planet, and you guys are in partnership with a team, and we love that. But there's another partnership that we often overlook, and it's the partnership you have in this local church with each other. Many people love to be part of a church or attend a church, but haven't understood you actually in partnership together as local individuals in this church and all have a role to play. And I want to highlight just for a moment some of those things. You know, the New Testament view of the local church, it views us as a body. We are the body of Christ which emphasizes our functioning together. 1 Corinthians 12 speaks that we all have roles to play and everybody has some kind of role to play for the body to function properly. And I'll just ask you to look around for a moment and say, every person here has a role to play in partnership for what it is God's called Oceanside to be and do and for the impact and increase that He's called us to continue to have. And so there's this functioning together, working together as the body of Christ. There's also the bride We often reference as the bride of Christ, which speaks of our faithfulness, emphasizing our faithfulness to one, and that's to Jesus Christ. Not to each other, not to the church, not to the region. We are to be faithful to our bridegroom, Jesus Christ. And I wonder how we're doing in that reality of how faithful are we to this great king. We also are known as a building. We don't like to talk about the church as a building, and I understand that we're not a building because God doesn't dwell in buildings made of stone, but He dwells in us, in in our hearts, and in our lives. But the Bible does reference the church as a building, and may I suggest that building has one foundation, and that foundation has always been and will always be Jesus Christ. If we put build on anything other than Christ, the foundation comes apart, the, the building falls apart. And we've seen that over and over when we emphasize all these other things at the expense of the main ingredient of all being Jesus Christ, well friends, the building comes crashing down. But we are also together, our, um, the Bible says in, in, um, in Matthew 16 verse 18 that Jesus Christ is the foundation of it. In First uh, Corinthians chapter 3, 11 also speaks of that. We're the living stones though. He's the foundation, but we're the living stones built together, dwelling together to continue to make much of Jesus. And then there is this uh, another picture of a brotherhood. And I know that kind of gets weird for ladies here, but actually the Bible references us as a brotherhood. Speaks of our fellowship and our partnership in working our stuff out. In actual fact, I was reading this morning, 1 Peter chapter 2, 17. He speaks, speaks of love the brotherhood of believers. Do we love each other? We can love you. I want, I want to tell you that I'm realizing more and more that we can love the church and not love Jesus. But you cannot love Jesus and not love His church. Are you there? We can love the church and not love Jesus. But you cannot love Jesus and not love His church because He's not divided from His church. He's not separated from His church. He is the head of which the church is the body and Jesus is building His church. So here's the thing. If we keep our focus on Christ, we will always love Christ and the church. If we make the church the focus, we can become what we love more than the one who's done it all. And it's all about Jesus Christ. And so, again, you're staring at me like I'm an American and you are Canadian. I'm actually not. Uh, okay, let's read the Bible. and Let's get there. First Thessalonians chapter 1. I, I, I have to confess, I came with a different message. And we were having dinner last night. And my brother and I said, what are you going to preach? And I told him what I thought. But I woke up this morning and it's all changed. And that's a dangerous thing. So I'm just giving you a way. This is dangerous. So be careful. But, but I, I do believe it's not new. But it's a good reminder for all of us, including me. And I'm not here to tell you what to do. Please hear that. I, I'm not on my mission to offload my revelation and take off again. We're on a journey together. The Bible is spoken of as a mirror. And we need to understand that. People get offended by the preaching of the Word. Well, what about the poor preacher who's going to preach and live what they preach in? Because the Bible's not for you. It's for us. And it's a mirror before it's a lens. I'm not here as an American with a funny uh, African-Australian mixed-up accent telling you here on your island what to do. We are the church who's walking in the bigness of what God intended, who's walking in partnership with Him, this gospel partnership around the globe, and also individuals in this room in partnership together and realizing that God is speaking, God wants to challenge, God wants to remind, and the mirror before the lens means adjustments need to be made when we read the Word. Of God, because God's word shows us, reveals to us the adjustments we need to make. And so, while you're quiet and you're Canadian, don't let your offense and your shutting down of what God's saying this morning. I mean, I I love Canadians, I love you for many reasons, not for Tim Hortons, but for every other reason. (laughs) And we're driving here in our car, we rented and we put in the how to get you, and your navigation GPS says, Please turn left. we couldn't. What? Please turn left. Please turn right. I mean, I, I, I've never been told by some computer, "Please." It's awesome. I mean, uh, it's just amazing. I mean, I, pff, we need some more manners in our GPS in the U.S. Anyway, we'll move on from that. But let's go with me. As I said, First Thessalonians chapter one. I want to highlight some truths out of this text. And if you know any history or anything about Scripture, you'll know that this this church that was birthed, that Paul plotted, was a church that was birthed in real opposition and real persecution. Paul says that this church was established in three Sabbaths. Now, I, I don't know what that means, but it sounds like in three weeks this church was birthed and established. Now, let me tell you, this church you guys are part of, it's been going 20-something years, and I don't know, I've had the privilege of leading a couple of churches uh, for many years, and, and I'm still wondering if those churches are established. Paul says this church was established, not planted, established in three Sabbaths. Is that not amazing? Three weeks. Surely there's something we can catch from a church that was birthed and established in three Sabbaths. That stood through some of the opposition, the suffering, and the persecution. People look back and say, oh, if, they, if they were facing what we're facing today, it would be very different. Well, they were facing worse than what we're facing today, but the church survived and thrived and walked in. And there's something of that that's gripped my heart this morning as well, I woke up that I just want to highlight. Not say so that you're facing trial and tribulation, but regardless of what comes our way, friends, regardless of this nation and what's been thrown at us, and I, I don't want to be negative this morning, but if you read through the Bible don't be surprised it's getting darker even in this friendly place called Canada people are I'm shocked how many Christians are blown away by what they're facing and I just say have you read the scriptures with all due respect the prophets love to tell us all the good stuff and some really bad stuff but the Bible shows us that as Darkness gets darker, lightness will shine brighter. It's better days ahead for the church. The church has still a whole lot more God's promise for us. There is more, not because Hillsong tells you there's more, not because the because God is a God of more. And so in darkness shine brighter. In difficult The anointed to be who God's called you to be. And I'm not highlighting or trying to cheer you this morning. I'm saying, friend, we are facing things that we've never faced before. But God's looking for His church to stand up and be who He's called us to be. And do what He's called us to do, regardless of your dollar, regardless of what we got. all about what God said, I want my church to be. So may we be stirred by some of what this church had in its ingredients by Paul writing to them and commending some of those things to them. And may that not just be great for that church. May it grip our hearts this morning as individuals to say, if that be what highlighted for them to stay the course, let that be gripped in my heart. I want to be who God's called me to be. And there's a reason it's in the Word of God, for us to be challenged and stirred and believe the Word of God is true. So let's read. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 in verse 1 it says Paul, Silas and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ grace and peace to you I love how Paul highlights grace and peace how many of you know we need grace? grace is, we're going to talk a little moment about grace because it's one of the things he highlights but we need grace but we also need peace And He's saying grace and peace. Let me tell you this morning, you don't find peace out there or with each other if you haven't made peace with God. We can talk peace and speak peace and... But there's so many, even in the church, fighting all these battles that God hasn't called us to fight. Just find freedom this morning, friend, to find peace with God. And when I'm at peace with God, I'm at peace with others. In marriage, man, I tell you, friends, I understand marriage. It's a difficult thing. Two people in the same home who disagree on all things, and then God puts you together, made different. And then you got children in the whole mix, and all the nonsense, the financial pressure. But let me tell you, you can go to counsel all you want. If you have not, are not living in peace with God, you'll never have peace in your home. can't. You'll never have peace in this church. This church will be fighting within rather than fighting the battle God's called us to fight. How many of you ever I'm going to confess because this is church so we can confess sins in church right? We should confess to the Lord any time but with one another. I'm an addict when it comes to sport forgive me. I love sport. It's one of the fallen nature in me that's coming out still, but I am still love sport, and I don't believe it's wrong, and in heaven, anyway, okay, we won't get into theology around sport, but I love sport, I'm obsessed with sport, I get friends who stand up and say their kids are obsessed I'm obsessed with sport, and because I love sport my kids love sport, if they want to live in my house they better support the same teams I support it's a fact my 19 year old son, is 19 next month I've indoctrinated him to support the teams, I, and if he doesn't, find another home I told you, it's Coming up, but but I'm so love sport that I love to watch the games. And when I watch the games, sometimes I'm in meetings. Most times I'm in meetings when the game's on. And so I record, I record the game. Okay, how many of you ever watched a game that you know the, the score? Come on, this is church. Put your hands up. Your wives are putting their hands up for most of your husbands in this room. Why do you want? Because we want to watch anyway, even though you know the score. And how many of you know it's horrible to watch a game where you already know the score, but it's also liberating, especially if your team won, because the pressure's off to actually say, Phew, I know what happened here. And you can watch that game, which I watch, and I'm thinking, how did my team ever win watching what I'm watching? But here's the deal. Based on their performance, it doesn't change the score because the score does not change because we know the score. I remember watching that one day and watching Liverpool, forgive me, there. I've lost you now. I'm a Liverpool fan and we're still going to win next week. Anyway, but we just won't get into this. I remember watching games and thinking, gee, I don't know how we won, but we did win. I wasn't sure how, but, but they were winning. And I began to think, can you imagine how different those players on their team would be? And how different they would play and maybe even enjoy the game if they already knew they won the game. Now I don't want to be American hyper-faith right now, but I do want to say we know the score. Uh, How do you know, Tyrant? Because I've read the Bible. I know the score. The battle belongs to, the fight is still ours, but the battle belongs to the Lord. And many of us, if all due respect, by what we face, we're living every day like we don't know the score. What's the outcome? Based on our performance, based on it. I want to tell you, Jesus has done it all. We know the score. And it's all based on, His finished work, not our wanting to make sure we get to do what we want to do. It doesn't mean we're exempt, friends. Uh, From sickness, disease, divorce, and all that the world faces, we face exactly, maybe even more than what they face. But the difference between them and us is we know the score. Grace and peace. Find peace this morning, friend. In the score, the battle, it is finished. He has won. And we get to live out this incredible privilege of with Him. And we have a role to play. But we know the score. Lead, live like you know the score. Lead your family. Lead your workplace. Lead that you know the score. He goes on and he says, We always, verse 2, We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. We continue to remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith. There is work in the kingdom of God. And Paul doesn't say your work you've done. Your work produced by faith. Friends, that is so key for us as we embrace the future God has. He goes on and says, your labor prompted by love. What, What prompts you? What motivates you? Is it results or love? Your labor prompted by love. And, I love this, your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Note, he doesn't say your endurance inspired by your faith and hope in me as your leader, Paul, who planted your church. He's writing to the church and he's commenting and commending them for their labor prompted by love, their, uh, their work produced by faith, and their, uh, their hope. In, endurance inspired by their hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I know that we know this, but I want to tell you, friends, As I've traveled all over the world and I've spent a lot of time overseas and all over, even in this region and nation and I find people splattered all over your country and around the world who had faith in people, in ministries, in churches, in some kind of thing and are now not interested, are fed up and have had enough because their faith was in people or ministries or church rather than in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you this morning, what lies ahead for us, it's not going to be those who have endurance in each other or belief with one another. It's going to be those who have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. There are many people that have had their faith in their leaders, and I want to tell you, you've got to have faith in who you're following, but your faith this morning, can I ask you please to take your faith out of your leaders and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because He's the only one who will never change. He does not change. And while we as leaders have a role to help each other and cheer each other on in our revelation of Christ, it's not up to us. It's up to you as individuals. Individuals this morning. There should be no one in this room from this morning who ever falls away or falls out of life because of their, their revelation. Because it's not up to your leaders. It's up to you to have faith in Jesus Christ. It's up to us to keep pointing us to Christ. But it's up to you to find that revelation as individuals, Are you there, friends? And so he says, these things have happened. Your endurance, your hope inspired by the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, he says, for we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because your gospel came to you, not simply, not simply, not simply with words. <laughs> if I haven't stood on your toes, you're about to have a toe stepped on. <laughs> not simply with words but also with power. There are, I, I, I can't, without even being a prophet, I'm not a prophet. There are three, there are three camps in this room. Spirit, words, and I, I don't know. And if we were brave, we'd ask you to put your hand up in which camp? And if we are all probably in the middle, I don't know. But we are divided over truth that's not divided. And so we have this role, and these people say, I, I, We're about the word. We are word people, and praise God because, friends, we need word. But the whole spirit stuff, mm, not sure, not comfortable, happy to be pursuing the word of God. But the whole stuff, and then there are others of us who are like, oh, Spirit all? I mean, word, it's all, you know. And, and there are others of us, I'm, I've had a butt bringing, it's taught me both, and I'm not sure. And I just want to tell you this Paul didn't say he didn't come with word. But he said, not simply word, but also power. And I, I'm challenging you and I this morning that we're going to have to, if we're going to embrace the future God has and take the future God has and impact the regions and the cities that God still called us to, it's going to be a people who embrace word and spirit. Not just word, not just spirit, but word and spirit. Not simply word and not just word, spirit, but together to fulfill the mandate that God has for us. Now, I know friends I'm well aware I mean I, it's hard speaking in a church when the guys are not here but these elders have the right to change anything I say but if it's in the Bible you can't change what God has said That's right. yeah. you can delete it you can move it out you can scrape it out but if God said it it's God That's right. are you there? Yeah. I, I've been privileged in my life to have grown up in a, in a household many of you know our story and apparently my brother was here a few weeks ago so I don't know what he shared but probably some of those things too why are you laughing? Is that, wasn't he here? Just tell huh? Telling stories about, about me. No, I'm not going to talk about him. But I, So I grew up in a family that, honestly, my, my parents, my dad was a, I mean, all of us are bad sinners, were bad sinners. He was a really bad sinner, really bad. Like a really bad sinner, like a good sinner, because he was so bad. But then he met my mother, all right? And my mother... His parents told my dad, if you want to date my daughter, you have to come to church. He's like, church? What is church? So he went and the first night he went to meeting, he heard some Presbyterian pastor preach. This is what he said. He had no idea what the guy was talking about. He sat in the back, only because he had to, and he heard this guy speak. He had no idea, but the guy threw the net out and said, if some people here need to respond. He left. He walked out with my mom after the meeting and he stopped her and he said, I've got to go back and, t- I don't know what that man said, but I need to respond to him. He came back into the meeting, got on his knees and he said, sir, I don't know what he said, but I'm one of those guys who needs to repent," and he got saved, radically saved from alcoholism, and from all this lifestyle, saved into something, and now he's called free, but then he got into some clever people's lives, and they began to speak over him, and bring, and now please hear my heart this morning, I'm not mocking, and I'm not judging anyone's heart, but theology I'm challenging this morning. And so people with good hearts, good intentions, maybe just wrong theology, began to put stuff on him and said, that's great, Dudley, we're so happy you're saved, but this is what it looks like. And he got saved into some pretty legalistic stuff. Legalism of note. And he bought into it because his heart was pure. But he found that he was freer in the world than he was in the systems of the church. Not judging heart, I'm I'm challenging truth. And so in this Growing up in this, in his understanding, he began to challenge and fight. And friends, yeah, he began to read scripture. Some of you heard me share this. And he saw in the Bible what the church was involved in and what God was doing. And he longed for what he saw in the Bible. But he didn't see it in the denomination, the thing. And it wasn't the Presbyterians. It was someone else. And he was in those, and he was challenging. And he was wearing dog collars and all the nonsense. And forgive me, not challenging heart, but the rules and the regulations that kill us because we are our interpretation of what we're comfortable with what the Bible says while he was reading through this he saw reading through the book of Acts he longed for what he saw the early church walking in power and speaking in tongues and I'm not even here pushing tongues with you this morning but some of us maybe are uncomfortable with tongues I want to tell you my dad grew up was taught that if you speak in tongues it's of the devil it's not even uncomfortable or weird you go to hell for speaking in that language and while he was reading the book of Acts and longing for what he saw, he was baptized and began to speak in a language from on high. Not just weird, not uncomfortable, going to hell according to what he's a part of. And so being the man of integrity, he phoned the denomination and said, guys, I need to meet with you. They came and sat with him. They said, he said, look, I've got to tell you this. I need to confess something. I was reading through, I was longing for, and I began to speak in tongues. This is what they said. I want you to write and sign a document saying you'll never do that again and pretend it never happened. And if you do that, we'll just move on. He said, do you understand? This is God. I can't turn on and turn off what God's done. And then he began challenging, not out of reaction, but out of revelation. Why do we call each other reverend? Why do you call me this? Why do you wear this? And he began to challenge some of the notion of not heart, but intentionality and theology. And so I I say that to you this morning because I've had the freedom and the joy of being free to be what the Bible teaches us. A father and mother who challenged always with the Word of God, the truth, not what is comfortable, not what's convenient, what's cultural, what what does the Bible teach? What I found, and because I, many others haven't had the privilege of growing, is that many believe what they've always been taught. And maybe the hearts were right, but your theology is wrong. Yeah. Believe it or not, that can happen. Why? Because we make decisions based on comfort and how we feel rather than the Word of God to challenge us for what it is God has called us to. I really am not trying to stay I just want to tell you this let's see what the Bible says go study the scripture with fresh eyes and ask God to reveal God to you not fight what you've been and not they were wrong and we right God what have you promised how can God ask of the early church how can God ask of us what the early church was asked of but by the way he's removing power you have the word now you don't need power you know what that's saying we need more flesh in the church. And how many of you believe we need more flesh in the church? Put your hand up. I want to suggest we need more spirit, less flesh. We don't need to be more us. We need more of God in us, the hope of glory. I'm not saying that it's them or us. It's finding in the Holy Spirit. Are you there, friends? This is, you're very quiet. I just hope it's the Canadian thing. But I'm not here to convince you. I've got nothing to prove here. I, I'm walking through this with you. Remember the mirror? I'm way more comfortable in my tone speaking my thing and getting you all to be wowed by what I have to say rather than leaning on the presence and the power of God to demonstrate who He is. But if your faith rests on me, you're finished. If your faith rests on Him, you have a future that's guaranteed to be an incredible future as no matter who comes, Mike and Deb's being here or not being here, Elders being here or not being here, God has a plan for the church to continue to function because your faith does not rest in man. rests on God and God alone. That's why Paul writes to that church and he says, you're not your faith in me, your hope inspired by me. Your hope inspired by the, your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you there friends? Thank you. I'm glad you are. and You are there. He says, our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with. With the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction, you know how we lived among you for your sake. Verse 6, you became imitators of us and for the Lord, of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so, you became, not you are the, you didn't start, you became a model. Not the model, but a model to all of the believers in Macedonia and Achaia the Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia your faith has become known everywhere therefore we did not need to say anything about it for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us they tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the from dead Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath so just a couple of points are in there Number one, priority. And we've already highlighted some of this, but I do want to just highlight it again. Priority. Your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus. Let, let me ask you how do you endure? How do you stay inspired? Where does your hope come from? Well, Jesus is our head. Jesus is our heart, and I've said this before in this church, but I want to tell you, he's not just the head of the church and we're the heart. Jesus is the head of this church, and he's the heart of this church. And he's the hope for the world, but also the hope for this church. He's our head, he's our heart, and he's our hope. If you and I don't have our hope in him, if, your faith, if, you, if you're not pressing in with it, you're going to lose your way into the future God has for us. Christ has to be the focus of it all. That's your number one, my number one priority, the revelation of Jesus. That's what this world's looking for. That's what the city's looking for. That's what Nanaimo, that's what this island and Canada, friends. People want revelation and authenticity of Christ. I know that people think I'm a bit weird, but I, I've stopped telling people I'm a Christian. I know that freaks some of you out, but hear my heart. Christianity has a negative tone because the moment you tell people you're Christian, they think you anti-everything. That's fact. It's become a religion that's anti-everything. Jesus was not anti-everything, believe it or not. How do you know, Tyron? Because I've read the Gospels. He didn't walk around saying, I'm anti-you, and I'm against you, and I'm against you, and I'm against you. You know what he did? He was for things, and he's standing for things. People knew what he was anti. But most people think, we know what you're against. When I travel, people say, what do you do? And here we go. You know, I'm like, she's trying to be clever, and I've learned all the tricks on how to tell them I'm not a pastor, but I am a leader. And I work for another man's bride, and I serve this, and all the. And people, I say, you're Christian. And I say, no. And they're like, well, how can you be in the church and not be a Christian? I say, because I know what you think when you say Christian. And just incidentally, Jesus didn't say convert to Christianity. The Great Commission, you know what he said? Follow me. How many of you know following Christ is very different to converting to Christianity? Very different. Very different. Maybe not in Canada, but in America, we have a religion called Christianity. And it's changing religions rather than following a master. And I want to tell you, there's something intriguing when I tell people I'm not a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus. They're like, whoa, what's the difference? Well, let me tell you. And they want to hear, rather than you anti this, you anti that, you anti gay, you anti and all the stuff that we apparently anti. Jesus is not anti. He loves all people. And people are looking for, not religious people, not religious churches, authentic followers of Jesus who have their hope inspired in the living Christ. And that's where our anchor is. Yeah. true right I've grown up in the church I've been part of the church for 47 years let me tell you friends I'm sick of religion and I left the church because of religion and I turned my heart back on God because of religion I need to find you can't run from God what are you doing yeah. you can run from church if it's religious but you can't run from God because God's about relationship. I want to tell you the future of this church has to continue to contend for your hope inspired in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul didn't just know Christ. He continued to pursue Christ and read through the book of Philippians. You see his heart is, Christ is my prize. Christ is my portion. Christ is enough for me. Christ is my passion. It's something bigger than just some religious duty I have to do stuff. Are you okay? Thanks for being here. You know, Jesus is unchanging. And all that changes, Jesus does not change. I don't don't know what that does for you, but it gives me confidence in my future, guaranteed because of the unchanging nature of Christ. He doesn't change in His position. He doesn't change in His power. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus, never been taken away. He still has all authority. He doesn't change in His position or, or His promise. He doesn't have to keep promising, you know Promise me, Dad, you're going to do this. Promise me, Dad. Like my kids ask me. Jesus doesn't have to keep promising. He promised and He's never going to change. He doesn't change in His purpose. 20 years or whatever it's been for this local church. Praise God. But the future is not going to change based on the performance of this people. The promise and the purpose of God stands. And that's got to give us courage to endure and inspire and stay the course. Regardless of what's thrown our way. Jesus Christ is the key to it all. So the first thing is our priority has to be Christ. Secondly, our position. Uh, creative people, you're about to be blessed. Are you ready? God loves you. He loves me. And He loves us based on nothing we've done but on everything He's done. And I say that because a lot of people, I'm not sure about the whole... Friends, he, Paul writes and he says, people loved by God, chosen and loved by God. Do you know God chose you? Doesn't that blow your mind? I mean, I'm not trying to be super humble here. I wouldn't trust me with a wheelbarrow. I'm serious, let alone what he's entrusted me. I wouldn't pick me, and with all due respect, how much I love you guys, I probably wouldn't have picked you. I'd have picked myself being God and done it all, and you'll be worshiping me in heaven right now. But God had a better plan. And he picks you and I, based with all our issues, all our dramas, all our history, all our insecurities, all our ugliness, all our... He says, I'm picking you. Not because of you, because of him. I mean, that's going to blow your mind away. And not only does he pick you, he loves you. Loved and chosen. Loved and chosen. How do we embrace the future without understanding you are loved by God and chosen. And we all have to come to terms with the love of God. God is, God doesn't just love, God is love. And Paul writes and he says, Our brothers, loved by God and chosen. And I want to say to you guys this morning in this room, you're loved by God. He loves you regardless of performance, regardless of how good you feel this morning, regardless of how well you treat me. It's not based on anything except His love for us. Yeah. And I want to tell you, there's a culture out there that's desperate and desperate to find love. And guess what? We know God who is love and he loves us unconditionally and me standing up here preaching to you he loves me as much as the person who's committing sin right outside there right now he doesn't love us he loves us equally and that blows my mind because I think performance, he thinks love and Paul found in his way of writing to their church that they were loved by God but also chosen. Friends, you've been chosen. And I love the grace of God. And people say, oh, we don't understand grace. Let me tell you, grace is not just I'm licensed to sin. Forgive me, I'm hitting all the things this morning and that's why I'll probably never come back. And my, I want to, but I probably won't be invited. But, but I want to just tell you, grace is not licensed to sin. Can you imagine? The thing that put Jesus on the cross, he's saying, go ahead and do it again. Under grace, just go for it. The thing that put me on the cross, keep living in it. It's not license to sin. Grace. You know what grace? Grace saves us. All right? You know, nothing you and I can do can be... That's what I love, is He saved me. I'm saved by grace. And I believe in justification wholeheartedly, that God looks at me and you, and I want to tell you, a history that I've had, hectic. The stuff I've been involved in, I'm absolutely, I can't change it. But God looks at me based on the finished work of Jesus, justified, saying just as if I've never sinned, saved by grace. If you can do anything to be saved, you're not truly saved. Because He did it all for every one of us to be saved. Saved by grace. How many of you love that? Come on. We are justified. We are, yeah, yeah. Come on. So so then, living like you're saved. How about not having to earn it and be at and do? Just understand I'm saved. God looks at me as the worst of sinners but as if I've never sinned. He chooses to see Christ through me and the finished work of Jesus. Praise God for justification. Yeah. Amen. But can I also just move on? Not because there's another side but there is more to this truth. It's called justification and I believe in sanctification. Now some of you I'm going to get really excited because you're more about the do. But I want to just tell you, justification is a major part of, self, of, of grace, but also sanctification. And the best way that I, I'm in a process, I am saved instantly, but I'm in a process of being saved. Now, that is confusing. I understand. The best way I can describe this, forgive my ignorance is this, when I got married 20 something years ago, my wife walked down and it was the most incredible day and I thank God I've only had to do it once because it was hard work but anyway, she walked down and I said yes at the altar guess what, that moment uh, that moment, married, right I take you to be my spouse uh, to love and to cherish and all until death does part yes I do, boom, kiss, you may not kiss the bride, boom, guess what married right no turning back. The cross before me, my wife next to me. <laughs> right? That's it. Finished. Not like, have I made it? That's it. But the next morning, the journey of the process of what we said yes to together begins to work its way out. Yeah, very good. Sanctification. Yes, Lord, I receive grace. I'm justified. I accept the finished work of Christ. From that moment, justified. But now I have to start living... Like I'm saved. The process out of what I've been justified from. Does that make sense? Some people are, oh, well, I'm all about the process. Well, you've got to actually understand justification and you also have to understand sanctification, grace. But there's a third factor to this called serving. I'm not going to get too many amens there. That's cool. We like justification or sanctification. But grace to serve. We're not saved to hang in there and hold on and enjoy. We're serving this King. Grace To serve who? God. How? Through one another. The church. Friends, this church ain't going to happen based on a handful of people. Your future is not going to be a handful of people armresting, doing all the work while the rest of us attend. God's called us to, to function together, to serve together. And grace is not legalism or freedom. Grace gives us the privilege of serving God together. I stand up here this morning. I have been given the grace to minister. This is a privilege by grace, not for grace. Too many of us, when we're asked to do things, ah, here we go, legalism. No, no, grace to serve. Not each other, serve God by serving with each other, reaching the regions and the cities and the nations together. Is that okay? Very good I love this truth, man, it liberates me, and if you're not getting free, I'm, fu- I'm getting free this morning. You know, today's church membership, with all due respect, has become a right rather than a responsibility. I want to tell you the gifts, the church is not built with the gifts of a few, but the sacrifice of many. That's God's way. It's not going to allow a handful of us. The priesthood of all believers. Have you heard about that? It means that all of us play a role in being priests together. You don't need to go to your leaders to hear God. You go to God directly, because Jesus made a way. But it also means you have a responsibility to be a priest. Are you living? Am I living like a priest? Oh, it's my leader's role. No, no, it's ours. When we planted our church... Uh, we let it in the, the one in uh, Denver. We've handed over you know, about three years ago. But before that, when we planted, and for many years, the first few years, I kept talking about a church plant. Some of you heard this. And, and one day, one of our elders, he's an older guy, he's a theologian, Ephesians 4 teacher, in my, in my estimation. So it's good to have those guys around because they challenge your theology. And he said, "You know, I can I have a coffee with you?" I thought, "Here we go. He's, when older guys want to have coffee with me. Here we go. You know." So. I said, sure. So he said, he said look, I, I, I'm stoked. But he said, you keep talking about our church as a church plant. When will it not be a church plant? I said, well, that's a good question. So theologically, I can tell you for me, Philippians chapter 1, to the church, the deacons, elders, and saints, and sinners, that to me makes up a local church. We had that from the like first few weeks in our church. I said, you know, for me, Russ, it's a, it's a, it's a feeling. <laughs> I don't go by feelings, but it's a feeling. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, when the church... That when, when people take responsibility it's not the leaders doing this then I feel like we'll be an established church I remember preaching that in a church at a 30 year celebration of a church and that leader got up afterwards and he said to me you know Tyron, that's amazing that means that this church could be 30 years old and still be operating like a church plant it's got nothing to do with length and age it's got everything to how you function you guys are 20 something years old I wonder if this is still a church plant based on the handful of leaders who do everything rather than we've grown up and the body's taken responsibility to be the church God's called you to be. Time, talents, treasures, all that for the king and the kingdom. Grace to be involved in those things. I've got to land this. The third thing is power. And we've talked a little about that. A gospel didn't come to you simply with words. Guys, words and, word and spirit. I know that you've heard me. So I was in California a while back, a few, maybe a couple of months back, ministering there. Have you heard about Boeing and what's happened with Boeing, the airplanes? You've heard that they've been grounded for some reason. And, uh, so there was a man who works for Boeing who's kind of in the meeting. So I stopped the meeting. I said, look, I want to ask you a question. It was probably inappropriate because they were going through some... I said, sir, you work for Boeing. He goes, yeah. I said, would you mind standing up in the mirror? I said, would you tell me, on those airplanes that you guys build and that, what's more important? The left wing or the right wing? <laughs> so he looked at me like, what kind of question? I said, no, no, would you answer that? He said, well, we need both. I said, well, oh, that's great. Thank you. So he said, well, why do you say that? Because everywhere I go, people still say to me, come on, I know word and spirit's important. But seriously, which is more important? I've got to a place to keep saying now. Well, what's more important an airplane? The left or the right wing? Anyone want to try that? You don't have to be a work for Boeing to tell me? Both wings. Right? Would you agree? A plane can't take off with two, uh, two wings. Can't fly in the direction it's supposed to go without two wings. Can't land without crash landing. We're supposed to do Why is that? Because we need both wings. And I want to just say to you and I this morning, whatever your leaning is, may you lean in to both. Because this church has to function with word and spirit. To be the church, God's called you to be. The Holy Spirit's not an optional extra for deluxe Christians. He's not, and he's not this weird thing that shows up or this ghost. And some of the some of the some of the old versions of Scripture freak some of us out when it talks about a ghost. He's God, not some ghost floating around looking to grip people and rip people, I mean friends with this nonsense, I understand the fear because we hear such bad truth about the Holy Spirit that we're fearful but let me tell you, he's not a truth he's not some concept, he's not some idea, he's not for weird people he is God yes. Amen. so if he's God, he's not an optional extra, imagine telling God you're an optional extra You are the ingredient. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Many today believe in God the Father, God the Son, but the whole Holy Spirit thing, like I put Him in a box. When we're down and depressed, let's open Him up. When we need some power to heal some people. But no, friends, He leads us. He guides us. He comforts us. He reveals stuff. He shows us Jesus. He reveals truth. He's the greatest teacher, not me or others the Holy Spirit is the greatest teacher. He is the revealer and He's powerful and He is the comforter and He helps us overcome sin in our lives. Some of us are trying to push through and overcome all the addictions you carry. Let me tell you, you never will. Why? Because you need the Holy Spirit to come and you need to yield to the Spirit where the Holy Spirit brings some holiness and burns some of that sin out. You can't do it on your own. I know there's some weird stuff going on in the church in the name of the Holy Spirit. I'm not for the weird stuff, but I want to tell you the Bible shows me from the New Testament that there's more backing for strange fire than no fire. And I'm not asking for strange fire, but you can't find a New Testament scripture that backs no fire in the church. But most people are more comfortable with no fire, which is so unbiblical, than something that we're not comfortable with, which is sometimes biblical. I'm challenged too. Because I've seen the weird stuff. My word. I've, just, I've been pushed over. I've been, honestly. You know what? Can I be honest? I've shut down. I said, not interested. I, I'm going to be an authentic follower of Jesus. Just talk about Jesus. Just talk about the word. And the whole spirit stuff. Pfft, leave it to the weird people out there. And we got them on my team. They can handle that. And I'll just handle this. And the Lord has challenged me. How dare you in your uncomfortable and bad experience, limit me, God, to what I've called you and them to do. If you don't celebrate what I'm doing, you can't lead what I'm doing. Yeah, Why? Because I'm God. Second Corinthians 3:17. We always talk about now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, right? Love it. Spirit. We sing songs. I think one was written from this country. The whole spirit, where the spirit of the Lord is there's freedom. Yeah, and we sing it out. Well, you know, I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit is right here, right now. And I'm telling you, in this room, not everyone's free. Yes. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. He's all over this island. And let me tell you, I went out this morning for a nice war. It's not free. There are people living in bondage everywhere. Well, what's the problem? It doesn't say where the Spirit is, there's freedom. It's speaking of Lordship. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And when the Spirit, I believe mean, what he's saying is, when the Spirit is yielded to as Lord, there's freedom. Not where the Spirit is, there's freedom. When the Spirit is yielded to as Lord. Some of us this morning need to yield, not to some power, not to some force, not to some ghost, not to some experience. To yield to the Spirit as Lord. That's where we find freedom. That's when we lay hands on the sick, not the evangelists, God's people, and demonstrate, proving that Jesus is alive. Not a concept and a theory or theory. Reality of Christ is alive. (laughs) No? It's okay then. It was A.W. Tozer. He said if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what the church is doing would carry on and nobody would know the difference. But he went on and said, and if God was to remove the Holy Spirit from the early church, 95% of what the church was doing would stop and everyone would know the difference. Just don't believe people. Read the Bible. Ask God to show us enough to believe. Moving from head knowledge, from quoting scripture, to living this. Because you can't live in publicly what you tolerate privately. God cannot be mocked. The kingdom of God, Duncan Campbell said, the kingdom of God is not going to be advanced by our churches becoming filled with men. But when in our churches being filled with God. You know the worst thing we can do with power? Are you ready? Pretend we don't have it. Yeah. So some things is our land. The Holy Spirit is God. Remember that. He's God. He uses us. We don't use Him. We don't boss Him around. I, I listen to people talk about the Holy Spirit or to the Holy Spirit like they're telling Him what to do. My goodness. He's God. Imagine me telling God what to do. Spirit, do this. Do that now. Friends, back up. He uses us. I listen to people talk about the Holy Spirit like they're teaching Him. He, He teaches us. I need to learn from Him. He doesn't need to learn from us. He's not a theory course. We get comfortable with talking theory. He's the point of the point. In other words, all our talking about Him should never take the place of Him. When His presence comes, with all due respect, it's going to look like something. How do I know? Because the early church, when the Holy Spirit came, they thought they were drunk. Something changes. Something's different. It's going to look like something. Can I also say the Holy Spirit doesn't come to divide, but He might. And guess what? It's not His fault. It's ours. He's actually the uniter. But because of our concepts and builder, all I ask is that we get back to Scripture and understand this Word and Spirit that is needed for the season. It's available to all of us. He's available. And maybe those people who taught us in the past were wrong. Heart's good, but wrong theology. Maybe I'm wrong this morning. I don't know. But all I'm asking is go back to the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's in there, my friends, God wants it to be there. If it's not, be free. But don't live with what I'm comfortable live. Live with what God's called us to walk in. Are you there? Are you okay? The pattern is that gospel's got to be preached. To all regions, to all places. Proclaiming his word. I've got to land. I'm landing. I've been two minutes over. Must be taught to the church. I don't know why i stack stuck on this whole Holy Spirit. Well, I, clearly there's something God's saying. And then it says as we wait for the return of Jesus. Here's, here's what I'm finding. I'm, can I come down here? Is it okay? No. <laughs> <laughs> can I hang out with my friends for a moment? see these things that I've highlighted this morning I believe the devil's got right in many churches he's got us to believe we're busy with stuff rather than Christ the center of it all he's got us performing rather than understanding grace he's got us believing that grace means it's finished means I have no role to play I can just hang back and wait for the return of Christ or he's got us doing stuff to earn grace He's got us having concepts around the Holy Spirit, or we're so focused on the Spirit, we've lost reality of life. Yeah. We either fall, or we're against. We anti, we fall. And if we fall, we win. If we anti, we legalist. But one of the biggest things that Paul highlights in this, in this text at the end is, is that we wait for the return of Christ. And I think where the devil's got most things right, with all due respect, is he's got us to focus on this life and care less about eternity we're so focused friends, and I say this as a follower of Christ to followers of Jesus we get so focused on our lives our deal what we're involved in our pressure we forget there's another life to come yeah. even in our witnessing and our demonstration we don't talk about after we talk about this life Jesus came to set you free Jesus loves you without him you don't have life friends that's true but, but more there's another life awaiting all of us We either don't talk about the return of Christ because we're so fearful and weird and who cares, it's weird stuff. Or we only talk about it, but it's weird stuff we talk about. I want to tell you this morning, Paul wrote to that church. Those guys, the early church, believed that Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. And because they believed the end is near, the time is coming, they lived life here on earth where it mattered for the next life that's going to be counted. And not that we can earn it, because we are certainly going to heaven based on the finished work of Jesus. But friends, we've got to live this life realizing and remembering there's another life to come. There is this unbelievable eternity that lies ahead for every single one of us. And it's not just for sinners to get saved. It's for saints to be reminded this morning we've got to live with an eternal perspective. We, we short-circuit the future God has in the next 20 years for this church by thinking about today and not thinking about eternity. Somebody said that this life is the dress rehearsal for the next. What we do today echoes into eternity. I honestly challenge you and me to begin to think of eternity again and the next life and this pers- perspective of Jesus is coming back. It takes Our lives here on earth to another level of living in a bigger place, in living for someone else, living for, rather than getting caught up in our own stuff all the time. And this church has such an incredible history. Man, it's been amazing. But your overwhelming future will not be walked in if you don't get back to getting the concept again of eternity. Jesus is coming back. Living today. The business people, I've said this in this room, church before, not in this room, but in this church. They're business people, God's given you ability to make money, but some of us are so focused on the money making. The blessings become the thing that's taken the place of the reason for. Yeah. It's not our accusation, it's a challenge this morning. What about eternity? What about this next life? Not saying you've got to get saved, saying use what you've got here every single day. Some of us challenge, Can I challenge, with our families. I, I, I love my family. You've got to understand. I'm so blessed. I've got the most incredible sons, three of them. And by the grace of God, it's so early I know, but they love Jesus. They've laid down their lives. They want to go to the nations. They want to die for the gospel. They have their own world. It blows my mind. Every time I talk about church planting, they stand up to go and plant. I say, sit down. We've planted churches. You don't go anywhere. My son's talking about moving. I praise God. My wife, she's laid down. She's just... The most amazing, gracious wife we've laid out. She lets me go. She travels with me. She cheers me. She phones me this morning, praying for you, being up all night, praying for the message. I mean, she obviously didn't pray enough because I'm struggling this morning. But you know. anyway, <laughs> but but uh, my point is all this. We, but yeah, I, I want to tell you why I'm incredibly blessed by God for that family. That family was entrusted to me, with me and them for eternity and for the plans and purposes of God. I'm not saying woe is me, look at me. I'm saying I want to live day in and day out like it matters for eternity. I don't want to allow people who have issues with me to stop me. I I don't want to allow the people who have misjudged me to get in the way of eternity. And I don't want them to get in the way of eternity, of them allowing stuff here on earth that blocks our thinking of eternity. I don't want to see another church lose her way because we've allowed today to take the place of eternity to begin to focus on ourselves and hold back and hold on to our stuff and think about our own rather than to open our hands and say, for the King and the Kingdom. And this is a challenge to you and to me. Do you care about eternity? Yes, I'm going to get there one day. Great. What about living for that day of the return of Christ? How about giving our all? Not for this church, not for my condemns, not for the elders, not for your spouse and your family, not for this region, not for this nation, for the King and for the Kingdom. Live like Jesus is coming back. Live a life that if Christ was to come back today, can you imagine? I've often been challenged by this. If you knew, fancy this, if you knew Jesus was coming back to, at midday today, it's less than an hour from now, what would change? I guarantee no one in this room would do exactly what they're going to do after this meeting. You would all change. I would change too. I'm not saying live in fear. Just be aware. Something is happening and Jesus is coming back. And the early church believed that Jesus was coming back. And guess what? He hadn't come back. He didn't come back. But look how they lived. Look at the impact. Look at the. look at the. and now they're in heaven cheering. The cloud of witnesses cheering us and we're like, uh, the whole heaven thing. Well, when I get there, I'll see. We're called to live today for eternity. And I'm not here to cheerlead you and to pull at your emotional strings. I'm telling you, friends, the church needs a constant revelation of Jesus and eternity. And Jesus is coming back soon. And I believe he's coming back in my lifetime. And if I'm wrong, it doesn't matter. I've said that many times. A year ago I said that probably in the we were meeting outside from this church. And guess what? He hasn't come back, but we're a year closer. I, I, I'm, I'm believing He's coming back while I'm preaching. And if that's true, then I better be preaching what He, need, he wants me to say. Brother, right, and you guys are awesome, and it's all about you, and you're so cool, and I wish I could be more like you. Now wait, there's one coming. And He shows up! Yeah. And we are ready for Him. Why? And the world's ready for Him. Why? Because we've done our job living for Him. Let's close our eyes, please. It's okay if I pray. Are you okay, friends? Different meeting, I understand, but done my best. Jesus is glorified, and that's all that matters. Let's bow our heads, please. Friends, I'm going to ask you this. I I don't know many of you in this room, but I want to ask you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm not talking concepts, theories, thoughts. I'm not even asking are you a Christian. I'm asking... Are you a follower of Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Not do you come to this meeting? Have you grown up in a Christian family? None of that. I'm asking, do you know Jesus? And if you don't know Jesus, I would love the privilege this morning of introducing you to the one that matters most. It's Jesus Christ. All this other stuff we've talked about can't even be a reality until you have this encounter. Chris got up and said we need to encounter Jesus. Well your first encounter is you've got to actually respond to If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to ask you Just put your hand up. No one looking around, no one's business. I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you. I just want to introduce you. I'm not asking religion. I'm asking relationship. Is there anyone here who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Just put your hand up if that is you. Anyone here? just keep your eyes closed secondly this whole reality about grace performance if you feel like you need to respond to that not to get saved but just there's some reality of truth that needs to break in just put your hand up where you are I'm going to quickly pray is anyone here just thank you put your hands up just put your hands higher no one's business this is you and God but there's some dealing right here Father you see hands all across this room and I, I pray right now Would you break into our lives, their lives? Would you give, reveal to them? It's not about performance. It's not about earnings. It's not about stuff we do. It's about finished. But also it's about grace that I'm becoming more like you. Justification, freedom, just as if we've never sinned. But also sanctification, process of becoming more like you. Also this reality of serving, not I have to serve, I get to serve. I pray, Lord, freedom in this room for the season ahead, I pray. Thank you. Just put your hands down. Last day, I just want to pray. This thing of the Holy Spirit, guys. I, I know I've rushed through some deep truth that probably challenged some, including me. I want to ask you to be bold this morning. If you feel like there's a response that needs to be made, I just want to land with praying for some people and not draw it out. But just stand up where you are. If you say, "Tyrant, actually, I, I need to yield or maybe I just need a fresh empowering or... Just stand up where you are, friends. We're not going to get weird. I'm I'm going to give one minute just to pray. Honestly, I feel like there is a response. That's why we've highlighted this this morning. Not what I came to preach. Not what I wanted to preach, but I feel like this is what God wanted us to hear. And I'm not convincing you. Respond where you are. But there is a new, a fresh anointing. I feel that, honestly, and it's yielding. Just stand up where you are, please. And if you can, be bold enough just to raise your hands. Those of you who are standing. Is this okay, elders? Are you good with this? Not let's chat afterwards. Just put raise your hands. Would you do that? I know you probably feel uncomfortable standing, but just just raise your hands, those of you standing. Just receive, don't pray. I'm going to pray for you. Just receive where you are. Receive. Thank you, Lord, Holy Spirit. We believe you are who you say you are. We believe you have done what you said you've done. This morning in this room we yield. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And when we yield to the Spirit as Lord, we yield to you this morning. There is freedom. Would you come even now? you move from being a theory or a thought or an experience or perhaps something we've heard is bad or good and just, may you just give us fresh eyes, fresh revelation. A relationship with you, not a concept but a greater understanding as the comforter, the revealer. Would you just come now and just touch lives across this room. Where we've had a bad experience, we trust you. You are God. We can trust you. We say, Spirit, would you come and just touch us right here, right now? Holy Spirit, anoint us. A new anointing, a fresh anointing. The ability to do what it is you've called us to do through your power. Word and Spirit. We don't want to be Word. We want to be Word and Spirit. And so would you take us on this journey and reveal truth? May we walk in power again. May we reveal to this world, Jesus, you're alive. But maybe it's something we put on and something we live in. Lead us and guide us, Holy Spirit. We want to keep in step with you, Holy Spirit. So come, we ask. And Would you do something in us that continues from this day forward? We yield to you. Lead us and guide us. We pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for filling us afresh. Fill us afresh. Let's all stand. Can we all stand? So, okay, Paul. I love you. one last prayer. I promise. Sorry, guys. I. All the way from America as far, apparently. Just like can you raise your hands, all of us? Father, we we yield. We yield. We make space in our lives. In this church. We don't want to use our history to determine our future. We want to stick to your word. Your word is truth. Where your word is true, we want to live in it. Where we don't, it's not clear. Give us freedom. But may this church truly be the church that reflects you on this planet. In word and in deed. In power. For your glory. Give wisdom and ability for this leadership to lead this church into its great future. But may it be as we keep in step with you, Holy Spirit. Lead us and guide us in your precious and glorious name. And we say, Jesus, you are worthy of all praise. We give you the praise. Jesus, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.